It can get awful lonesome on the range In hard times strangers can seem strange When the nose appears and there ain't no hope Bag your pistols, shoot the rope, shooting ropes, shooting ropes, shooting ropes. By golly gosh, well here it is, eh? Hello everyone, welcome to Shooting Ropes, a podcast which I'm sure will eventually find its feet. I'm Roscoe McClelland, I am 35, give or take a few months. And this is a podcast. This is my first podcast. I've been guests on friends' podcasts. um, But this is mine. This is my own one. I have been hesitant to start a podcast because it didn't feel good doing chat for the sake of clips. And that's good for other people, but I've realised that it doesn't really have to be like that for mine. It can sort of be whatever you want it to be. It can just be a vehicle for showing stuff that you've created. Or stuff that you're about to create. It can be art for the sake of art. Which I think is nice. Now... I'm not saying this is going to be art. I'm not I'm not implying that this is going to be high art. But it is going to be something. And I think that's nice. That's a nice thing for me to do. It's a nice way for me to spend my time. It's a nice way for me to feel like I'm like I'm actually contributing something. Whether or not people listen to it. I will feel that I've made something and put it out there rather than sitting around with my finger up my arse, spinning it around, staring at a wall. So, let's get into it. Today I'm going to talk about a plane hijacking, getting right in there, hot and heavy at the start. It's not, it's not 9-11, don't worry. I did recently go to New York and I went to Ground Zero, if that's what we call it these days. And it was interesting. It was interesting being at the place that I'd watched on the news as a young guy, as a wee boy. I was eating super noodles when the second plane hit the second tower. And even then, I knew that something wasn't right. (laughs) I thought, something's up here. This isn't just regular planes hitting regular buildings. But I thought it was strange that they had a merch stand, an official merch stand at Ground Zero. And I thought it was pretty messed up that I had to pay $35 just to get a t-shirt. 
but what a t-shirt it is honestly In incredible anyway I'm going to talk about a plane hijacking by a person called D.B. Cooper you might have heard of him somewhere on your travels through the internet or on the TV there is actually a Netflix series about this I tried to watch it but I couldn't concentrate. I didn't think it was great a lot of filler which hopefully won't come back to bite me in the arse during this podcast saying that so D.B. Cooper didn't actually call himself D.B. Cooper he called himself Dan Cooper now I'm I'm gonna assume that's an alias right it must be or they would have figured it out pretty quickly but a newspaper reporter on a deadline misheard Dan Cooper as D.B. Cooper and that's what he's called D.B. Cooper that's what he's known as so for the sake of going with the flow I'm going to refer to him as D.B. Cooper or Old Dirty Bastard Cooper which I think that stands for. So, on the 24th of November in 1971, which, by the way, if you're doing the math, is over 50 years ago. doesn't feel like it should be 50 years ago. feels like it should be 30 years ago. But it's not. It's 50. And that's disgusting. So, on the 24th of November 1971, D.B. Cooper gets a one-way ticket on a plane that's going from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington. He's wearing a black suit, a white shirt, black raincoat, and brown shoes. Brown shoes. I don't know if you say brown shoes like that in your head, but for me, it stems from, you know, the rap group M.O.P. And they have that song, Anti Up. Anti Up. There is a... One of the members of MOP starts his verse by saying Brownsville. We're going Brownsville. And now every time I hear like brown shoes sort of sounds like Brownsville. So every time I think about the word brown and shoes together, it comes out in my head as brown shoes. That'll never go away. But I mean, a black suit with brown shoes are you supposed to wear that is that okay I don't know if that's right I, I don't know all about fashion to be fair so it, it could be fine he also has a briefcase with him and a brown paper bag which is a strange combo you know that's like turning up with a, a high vis and clown shoes but he gets on the plane and he orders a drink a bourbon and seven up which is a combo which sends a shiver through my body. I've only drank that combination once. I was drinking Southern Comfort and Lemonade. I was, um, I was with some friends in a flat that I stayed in and I was going for a night out with some different friends and I decided to pre-game that night out that I was going on and I was drinking Southern Comfort and Lemonade for the first time and if you've ever drank that, you'll know that it tastes like... It tastes like those love heart sweets that you get. Which is just... It's dangerous. It's a dangerous idea. 
alcohol should taste slightly bad so you know what you're drinking every time you ingest it. But that combination just tastes so nice. And then fast forward a few hours, my body's lying next to the toilet and my soul is in it. Missed the whole fucking night out. Anyway, shortly after takeoff, old dirty bastard Cooper hands one of the flight attendants a note. Now, she thinks it's just another black suit, brown shoes, horny business guy trying to stupor, and she just fires it in her pocket. Well, the other horny businessmen's hotel room numbers and phone numbers and fax machine numbers, pager, I don't know what they had back then. Now, I love this little detail because D.B. Cooper, it seems like he's planned this down to a T. But the one thing he hadn't planned for is the sheer amount of horny businessmen in the sky. <laughs> so he has to go up to her and whisper, Here, take that, that note. Look at that fucking note. I've got a bomb. And I just think that's so funny, man. Imagine having this devious plan that you've meticulously planned down to every last minute detail and the one thing you forgot about is other horny businessmen and having to go up to someone and go, here, I'm, I'm no horny. I'm not horny. I've got a bomb. <laughs> I'm not horny, please. I'm a terrorist. <laughs> so the flight attendant looks at the note and it says on it, Miss, I have a bomb in my briefcase and want you to sit by me. Which I think is great because to me, that feels like lyrics. That feels like it's a strong opening line. It feels like a strong opening line of lyrics penned by like Green Day, Billy Joe Armstrong, for an album filler. And I couldn't get that thought out of my head. It sounds like a Green Day song. So I decided to write it. And uh, here it is. This is called Bomb in a Briefcase by Green Day. Possibly on the Dookie album.
what do you think of that, eh? That's no bad, I guess. Not bad. Billy Joe, you can have it. I've sort of noticed that Green Day now play about 20 to 30 BPM than what they used to. Which sort of makes sense because they're getting older. But it takes a little bit of sting out the tail. If you listen to that new Green Day album that they just put out on YouTube at 1.25 speed, it is so much better. But that's just my opinion. Props to them for still doing it. And still doing it pretty hard, in my opinion. Anyway, so back to D.B. Cooper. What does the old dirty bastard want? Well, his demands are $200,000, which couldn't buy you nothing these days, but back in 1971, it was, a, you know, apparently akin to about $1.5 million. So he wants $200,000 and four parachutes, two front parachutes and two back parachutes. Now, I didn't know they had front parachutes. I thought parachutes were just for the back. But apparently, there's front parachutes. Who knew? I'll tell you who knew. D.B. Cooper knew. This guy knows his biscuits. I told you, he's planned this stuff. Down to a T. And it's also smart because the fact that he's asked for four parachutes, two front, two back, it makes it seem like he might be taking a hostage. Which is... A smart idea, because it means they kind of just go, Aye, here's your parachutes. We've got you some Acme parachutes that when you pull it, it's actually just an anvil that's in the bag. <laughs> or they kind of poke holes in it or something like that. Like I said, this guy knows his biscuits. So the plane's flying about, right? The crew are aware that there's a man who has a bomb. And at one point, the flight attendant says, can I see the bomb? Just to make sure you're not wasting everyone's time. And he opens up the briefcase. And by the way, briefcases are interesting because uh, it was originally invented by a man called Barry Reefcase. Now you're probably thinking, that's not true. He's just made that up. Well, I'll let you be the judge of that. I'll let you be the judge of that. So he opens up this briefcase, right? And it's got stuff in it that looks like a bomb, apparently. Like red tubes, some wires. I wouldn't know what a bomb looked like. But I would imagine if it was to look like something, it would look like that. So she writes her own note, takes it to the captain, and he's like, ah, fuck. Right, okay, you stay here and take notes because you've already got a pen and paper and another flight attendant has to sit next to old dirty bastard. The plane's circling for a bit. They all know. The passengers don't know, but the crew knows. And that means they've got some time to chat. I don't know if D.B. Cooper planned for this. Idle chit-chat during a plane hijacking. You think he like sat in front of a mirror going, 
Ah, uh, so, um... Do you like flying? Stuff like that. Do you think he practiced that? I would, nah, I would wing it. If it was me. And the flight attendant asks, Why have you picked Northwest Airlines to hijack? It was a Northwest, Northwest Airlines plane. And he says, I don't have a grudge against your airline. I just have a grudge. Now, that seems like he's winging it. Because it doesn't seem good. Like the miss, I have a bomb, my briefcase, and I want you to sit by me. Now, that's good stuff, but I don't have a grudge against your airline. I just have a grudge. What, are you in an Arnold Schwarzenegger film? Are you writing dialogue for fucking Rocky Balboa? What's his name? Sylvester Stallone? Sly Stallone? That's our first draft, if ever I've heard one. That'll do. Because it's... Of course he doesn't just have a grudge. He just wants the cash. You know? Nobody's doing that and asking for cash if they just have a grudge. So then they ask other questions and stuff and they're chatting away to DB. And he goes, oh, where are you from? And she tells him and he's like, oh, that place is, uh, that place is good. That's nice. And then they ask him where he's from and he's like, I'm not telling you. It gets raging. So he's definitely winging it at this point. But then, now this is the only bad thing I think he does coming up. Now, arguably you could say that hijacking a plane with a bomb and potentially traumatizing all these people is a bad thing. You could say that. That's too easy. I mean, on a one-to-one -one level, person-to-person -person level, he offers the flight attendant a cigarette and she says, I've quit, but given the circumstances we find ourselves in, I'll take one. And she takes a cigarette off him. Now, I think that's pretty bad, right? Because if you're talking to someone who has used their willpower to quit an addictive substance and you offer them it and they tell you that they've quit, then the onus is on you to show some compassion for them and rescind the offer. I don't think that's right. If I was there, I would have stepped in at that point and said, hey, enough's enough. And this was back in the day when you could like smoke on planes. That must have been insane. That must have been insane. You ever get on a plane and it's still got an ashtray and the, the wee arm at the side? Think about that. That must have been insane. You can't just open a window on a plane, you know? Let the smoke out. That must have been horrendous. I like... I, 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 I smoke... I don't smoke a vape. And going on planes... Previously, I've like, one time I got on a plane and I put one of those little, I think it's called snoo, one of those little tobacco pouches in my mouth 
And after about an hour, I was just, I went green. I felt violently sick and I was like, never again. Now what I do, if the tobacco demon rises up and scratches my nips while I'm on a flight, I always like to get an aisle seat so I can get up and down without bothering anyone. And I just excuse myself to the toilet. I've got a little vape pen with me and I will inhale the vape pen not a huge cloud, just enough to give my body what it wants, not what it needs, doesn't need it, it wants it. Small bit to get my body what it wants and I'll hold it in my body until it sort of dissipates into my very being, becomes one with my cells. And uh, then just for the avoidance of doubt of setting off some kind of crazy smoke alarm, when I flush the toilet and that suction happens out, it's loud that. And it's really, it's scarily loud. It feels like if you were sitting on the toilet and you are in the act of taking a shit and you press that, you wouldn't actually have to do any pushing. It would just suck it right out of you. Have you ever tried that? I've never, tr I've never actually tried that. And now I'm wondering if that's the future. Should we all have these like huge <laughs> vacuum machines in our houses day to day to just suck the shite right out of us? Maybe something to look into. It could potentially cause huge prolapse problems. I don't know. I'll work on it. But anyway, what I do is when that suction happens, I just blow my breath out near the toilet to suck whatever vape is left in the atmosphere away. It must be crazy when they open those tanks after I've been on a plane. It just smells like a mixture of like shit piss and Loganberry. <laughs> He knows the terrain. He looks out of the the plane window and goes, oh, that looks like Tulsa down there. So, like I said, this guy knows what's going on, right? D.B. Cooper has planned this. And eventually the plane lands in Seattle, which I think is another good thing that he's done because he's got a bomb, right? He could have made them fly anywhere, Anywhere. He could have went or land in that field in the middle of nowhere. Go land in a mountain, do it. But he gets the passengers to where they're supposed to go. They've got no idea what's going on at this point. And then the plane lands and he's asked for a representative of the airline to deliver the money and the parachutes. So he gets the stuff and then all the passengers get off. Two of the six crew leave as well, which is just a nice thing, I think. He's like, I ah, don't need all yous, you just could go. Enough to keep the plane going because the plan is the plane gets refueled and they are going back up. So the plane gets refueled and up they go, but he tells 
the pilot, he wants this plane to take off with the back door open, essentially. The aft door. And he wants it to fly. They say, that can't happen. And he goes, I know it can happen. And they go, well, you've caught us there. Fair enough. It can happen. And the cabin's unpressurized. So it takes off and he wants them to fly as low as you can and as slow as you can without stalling the plane. And he, he tells them that they're flying to like Mexico or something. Which is a good plan. It seems like a good plan anyway. You get out of America, get to Mexico, you know, maybe the extradition laws are different or maybe it's just easier to disappear in Mexico in the 70s with $200,000, live like a king. Seems like a plan. But what it does is, he's tricked them. Because of that back door being open, him and the one flight attendant that's with them, he's like, listen, you take the plane off, we're going up the back. So they go up the back, and this flight attendant's absolutely pushing themselves with fear. They're going, this fucking back door's open, flying a plane, what are you talking about? And I'm like, can I tie myself at least to something? I don't want to get sucked out the plane. And he goes, I rip up one of the parachutes. So that's what happens. The One of the parachutes gets opened, gets ripped up, flight attendant ties himself to something to make sure they don't fall at the back of the plane. And then, at some point, D.B. Cooper, big bag of cash, he's like, I'll fucking see you later. Oof, off into the night. Off into the night, at about 10,000 feet, in the darkness, in November, wearing a black suit, brown shoes, and a black raincoat, with a front and back parachute on. What a hero. What a legend. And they never found him. They never found him. Now either what's happened is, he's landed in the middle of nowhere, in some wooded area, and fucked off. Or, he plummeted to the ground, like a greased up anvil. They never found like 80% of the money that they gave him. Marked bills, obviously. They'd be aware pretty much if that stuff gets spent, if it eventually funnels its way back into a bank, into the system. They did find about $30,000 somewhere. A guy was like raking some ground and he found these like three bags of money or three packets of money together and they were all, you know, degraded by sitting under the ground in the ravages of time. And it was next to a river 
and they surmise that it flowed down through this river from an area. But that's all they've got. That's all they've got. Either way, I wish him well. It seemed like a a slightly victimless crime. And if he plummeted to the ground and died, good on him for trying. And if he got away into the night, and fucking yeehaw, cowboy. That's incredible. Because of this, there was um, copycat. Copycat. <laughs> there was quite a few copycat hijackers. None of them great. Most of them caught. My favourite, favourite one is this one. In 1980, in July, a guy called Glenn K. Tripp hijacked a Northwest Orient flight at Seattle-Tacoma, same place, and he demanded $600,000, which is too greedy, and two parachutes. He's not learned anything from DB Cooper. You've got to get four parachutes. But also, that and this feels like uh, an afterthought. He demanded six hundred thousand dollars, two parachutes, and the assassination of his boss. <laughs> now that's a guy who's got a grudge. It feels like the six hundred thousand dollars isn't what he's really there for. Now, the assassination of the boss, now that's a guy that's got a fucking grudge, man. But a quick-thinking flight attendant, they drugged this guy's drink with Valium. <laughs> and then it's just a waiting game. There was a 10-hour standoff, right? There was a 10-hour standoff. <laughs> this guy's <laughs> just so relaxed at this point and he ends up reducing his demands he reduces his demands from $600,000 two parachutes and the assassination of his boss down to three cheeseburgers <laughs> and a ground vehicle to escape with he was apprehended But do you know what? He had some time to think about it. And in 1983, he thought, this is the one. He done it again. Hijacked the plane. And this time he said, fly me to Afghanistan. <laughs> Spoiler alert. The plane landed in Portland and FBI agents fucking shot him. They're like, we're fucking sick of this guy. No more cheeseburgers. Just fucking shoot him. And that 
SDB Cooper. Thinking about the back door of that plane, it's made me think about my own back door. Not talking about my arsehole here, I mean my literal back door of the house that I stay in. It is the only door in this house that to me is original. I stay in a house where the only people that have stayed in it previously were my grandparents. It's interesting that because the windows in this house, I've been told many a time, the windows in this house have, they're exactly the same age as me. The day I was born, my gran and granda were moved out of this house into a caravan so the windows could be put in. And that feels strange, but nice. Every time I look out the windows, it's like I'm looking through my own life, really. One of the windows downstairs has blown. The gas came out of it, which is how I feel, actually. A bit of me is just breaking down as I get older. I didn't even know windows had gas in them. That was a strange Google. Why does my window have condensation inside it? The gas has escaped. Why do windows have gas? There's like a gas in it. Xenon, I think it is, if my memory serves me. Do you know what? I didn't even know where to get xenon. So to fix it, I just put helium in it. And do you know what? It makes the room feel a bit lighter. <laughs> a wee joke for you there. Little joke in the podcast here. But the back door is the only, to me, original door. The front door and the internal doors were all replaced a couple of years ago. It was a, a guy who came on the recommendation of my uncle who done it. Now, I used to be a tradesman, right? I've hung a few doors in my time, but it's not easy hanging doors. You know, you sort of need to have done a fair number of doors before you go hanging like loads of internal doors, you know? Not loads. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven internal doors. And a front door especially, I couldn't do that. I, I wouldn't know the first place to start. It would take me ages. Don't get me wrong, I, I reckon I could do it. But it would take me too long. It would take me more than a day. And you need a front door done in a day. Or like a fox could come in your house. 
So this guy turned up. And within like five minutes, I can sort of tell the type of tradesman he is. He's a guy who doesn't do much. He was slow. He was very slow. He was slow at his work. When I when I worked as a tradesman, I was at one point I was doing four bathrooms a week. I was ripping into these things, ripping them out, plumbing in, raggling walls, running pipes as fast as I could, skipping lunches, all to get it done because at the time I had a, f well I was in the fledgling era of my stand-up career. So I'd have gigs to do at night and I didn't have time to be working over five o'clock to get these things ready so I had to just go for it. The kicker is the more I went for it, the more they went, oh, well he can handle that, let's give him a bit more. Eventually I got sick of it and stopped. Felt like I was being taken advantage of a wee bit. But you know, good at the time. I still like doing it from time to time. It's nice to have that skill behind you. But this guy, within the first five minutes, he's like, right, get a kettle on. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. I must have made that guy so many cups of tea. It was unreal. He was a big guy and he was like bright red. And every action took him ages. It took them eight days to do these doors. And I couldn't, I couldn't grumble about it because I'd shown my hand to be like a kind of laid back guy at the start. Like, aye, whatever, you know, just go for it, man. It's just doors. Don't worry about it. It's just doors. But eventually... Your house is supposed to be like where you can shut yourself off from the outside world. And the way you shut yourself off from the outside world is by closing the door. And when you have no doors, it's difficult. Eight days, man. Too long. It literally got, in the last day, it, it would have went on longer, but in the last day, I looked at him and he didn't look great. He looked ill. And I said to him, hey man, why don't you just go home and I'll finish up the rest of them? Like the door still needed, um, like kind of leveled out, balanced. And he was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah. I leveled the doors out. There's a few things that needed done as well, like silicon and finishing, painting the internals. It's two years later. I still haven't done the finishing. I heard that less than a month after, that guy sadly died. 
and I feel like my doors were the last real struggle that he may have had in his working life. And I worry slightly that because I haven't finished these doors, that maybe my doors are haunted and I'm keeping his soul in purgatory. I'd like to get them finished. But I just feel like I've never got the time. I also don't know what colour to paint them. I could paint them white, but that doesn't feel bold enough. I I could I could paint them a colour. I've saw people do that, like they paint a door black. Solid black doors. I think that looks great maybe for a while. And then you realise, ah, I'd like to maybe paint the rest of the place and the black doesn't go with it. And then you've got a solid black door to deal with. I don't really know. That's... That guy puts me in mind of uh, a man that I'd done some work for. I put in a, he had a, an issue where um, his bowel, the bit that separates your pee-pee from your poo-poo, it had been perforated and he had an issue where um, he was telling me, well, I was fitting a disabled toilet for him, a higher up toilet, so it'd be easier for him to go to the toilet. Because his main issue was going to the toilet at this point. And he was telling me that he'd, for dinner, the night previously, he'd had a chicken noodle soup. And then he went for a piss. And he pissed out a noodle. Imagine that. Imagine a noodle coming out the end of your your cock. How much would that freak you out, man? Is that warm? I don't think I would like that. I went to his funeral. I only knew him for about a week. I went to his funeral because I felt so bad that, it, that I'd just put this stuff in for him and he died. But I think that's weird. I think that's weird. Maybe I shouldn't have went. It feels like it's nice that I went. But also, you know that bit at the end of a funeral where you have to like stand in a line and people come up and you're like, oh, sorry for your loss. If someone asked me, oh, how did you know him? What am I supposed to say? Like, oh, I put his toilet in last week. I don't know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else in between, thank you very much for listening to this first podcast. I've enjoyed it. 
it's been cathartic in a way and lethargic in some other ways. But I think eventually it'll find its feet. I want to finish up by showing you something that I made last night. I do a sort of nightly show on Twitch where I just mess about. And last night I got an I got AI chat GPT which is well I mean you, you can argue that it's damaging to artists, but it's also it can be quite helpful to artists. It's more of a time saver. It's good for messing about. I wouldn't use it for any real works in my line of work. But I got it to give me the lyrics to a song or a rap about sausages in the style of the Beastie Boys. And I'm just going to play the raw, unedited version. I've done three, three takes of it on a looper, layered over the top of each other, being all of the Beastie Boys. So here it is. It's the Beastie Boys, and it's called We Love Sausage. Ah. I'll see you next time. Cheers. Uh, yo, check it. We hear the drops of knowledge on the mic. About a food so tasty, gonna make you feel right. It's not about the playing or the fancy toys. Talking about the one and only Sausage Boys. Boys. Don't put you to the grill, they look culinary arts. Spice them up, twist them tight, we're all sides. Spread their wrists, the dinner, dinner. they all sit the spice. Sizzle on the barbecue, the hot to trap. Sausages sizzling with flavor. From pork to chicken, they'll never waver. Grilled to perfection, they're a carnival's delight. Beastie Boys on the mic, yeah, we're keeping it tight. Let's talk about toppings, gotta stack them high. Catch a mustard, let's just make the flavor fly. Slap them in a bun, give us some love. With sausages in hand, yeah, we're rising above. They're the MVP on the barbecue scene. Bringing people together, together like a tasty dream. So raise your grill tops, let's give a shout. The sausages are kings without a doubt. Sausages, sausages, sizzle with a flavor. From pork to chicken, they'll never waver. Grilled to perfection, they're a carnival's delight. Beastie Boys on the mic, yeah, we're keeping it tight. So next time you're hungry, don't hesitate. Sausage make it your fate With every juicy bite you'll feel the groove Beastie Boys sausages, it's a perfect move So that's a wrap, hope you had a blast Sausages for life, they'll, they'll always, always last Beastie Boys signing off, we'll catch you later Keep rocking with sausages, it's the flavor innovator ah.